It's interesting, um, on our Sunday school lesson, we've been talking about how that we have this friendship with God. And uh, we've been uh, discussing what a friend is and how that, uh, you know, the, the different relationships that we, that we have with God and, and uh, the different disciples. Well, today I was thinking of along those lines and I, I wanted to, you know, speak about that. And it's in the title of my message is Friendship with God. And let's look at Genesis chapter 2 beginning at verse 1 and reading through uh, verse 10, ver uh, the, first, the first part of verse 10. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were complete in all their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I, I, there was one of these uh, agnostics on TV, and he was talking about, how would you ever want to believe in a God who had to rest after seven days? You know, he, he created this place, he goes, oh, wow, man, I'm tired, i got to sit down and rest. And he was really mocking God. And, and the idea is that God completed the work, but he, you know, all of these things are types and pictures. And, and they are, and, and, not, and not only... Um, there's a lot into this that, that's more than just, it is face value, but it is also the value of whenever we rest in Christ, when we come together in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we rest in the accomplishments that God has done for us. So it's more than, you know, the idea, well, God is tired and he had to sit down and take a break. It's not that, it's not that at all. It, it's, it's a, a foreshadowing of how that you and I would come together and that we would rest in our relationship with God. How that we would rest in, in what God has accomplished for us. So it's, it's more than just, you know, God got tired and sat down for, and took a break. Um, it, it's, it's, you know, it's more than just that. So, in verse 4. This is the account of heaven and earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens... And no shrubs of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came uh, up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man, and from, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Okay, what separates us from all of other creation? The breath of God. What makes us eternal? The breath of God. The breath of God is that God breathed into man and he breathed into him the breath of life. And it is that breath of life that makes us unique. And we became an eternal being whenever God breathed that, that breath into us. And the breath of God is that life, the life-giving spirit, the life-giving part of who we are. That part of us that will never die. So God has that, in, you know, that's the breath of God. So, and now the Lord God had planted the garden in the east in Eden, and there uh, he put the man he had formed, and the Lord made, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eyes and good for food. In the middle of the garden there were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. So we have this place that God has created for us, created for mankind. And we know of it as Eden, a 
place of, of extreme beauty and, and walking with God. But did you ever think of God then as being your friend? Okay, who's your best friend? Oh, God's my best friend. <laughs> I mean, would we say that? God is my best friend. You know, uh, many think of God as the great judge. You know, he's the guy who's simply up there waiting to judge the actions of people. You know, he's, he's got this scorecard and, you know, he keeps track of all the good, the, the good innings, the bad innings, and at the end of the game, he says if you're a winner or a loser. <laughs> uh, that's not what it is. But uh, they have that image of him. Um, that God is somehow looking over this creation, looking over this world, that he kind of created it and flung it out there and it's in motion and he doesn't really have much involvement anymore. That too is an error. Uh, that somehow God is just going to straighten us all out and put us you know, either uh, in heaven or hell when it's all over. So there's not much idea of friendship in, this whole, uh, in, in that type of a, a, a scenario. Some argue that God is self-sufficient. Why would he need us? You know, he doesn't have any needs. He's God. Um, God can get along very well without us. So why on earth would he need us? Why would he even care if we're in church? <laughs> why would God even care if we pray? Why would he even care if we believe or don't believe? You know, he's got the universe to take care of, and we're just, you know, grains of sand on, on, on a speck of the universe. And so what is, all, what is this all about? And so we can, you know, life and people approach their life with this perspective. And, you know, and they, they kind of go on as if there's, there is no tomorrow and that we are gods in ourselves. Well, those scenarios are not true. God did create us and he desires us. He desires, and this is all portrayed in the scriptures. This is all portrayed in the scriptures and how that God desires a relationship with us. That's why he created us. Um, and if he did not want us, we wouldn't be here. If we didn't have a purpose and we didn't have a value, we would not be alive and we would not have been created. And you wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be here and, and the whole thing. So the age-old question then comes up. Here I am. I'm going to answer it in the next 30 minutes. <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to answer that. Um, why is all this stuff going on in my life? Hmm. Well, a couple of thoughts. Number one, we're here because we have a purpose. And all this stuff, and I, and I, you know, and, and I, run in, I do run into a lot of difficulties. Uh, and some of them are very extreme difficulties in people's lives. And, and I... And I I wonder sometimes, and this is my wondering and my um, thoughts, I'll just speak a little bit here, that I'm up here, that's why I'm speaking. Um, <laughs> it's a little joke there. Uh, um, see, I talk about those stupid things and I forget where I was going. Um, number one, we have problems. Why? Because we have this comfort zone that we live in. I'm going to lose my papers. Ethan, can you move that just a little bit? We have, we have this life, this comfort zone that we live in, all right? And it's, we put it in a, in a box, okay? We have this comfort zone of a box. And thank you. And we have this comfort zone of a box, and then we have this perimeter before the edges. And we kind of live in the center of it. We like to live in a center where there are no difficulties and where there are no conflicts. 
But what if, this is a challenge, what if whenever we encounter, when we encounter conflict and we encounter difficulty, what if that is there to challenge our comfort zones to move us beyond them? And what if that it is in those places that we are uh, determining if we're going to call upon ourselves and call upon our own understanding or call upon God and upon his promises and upon this spirit of life that God, you know, God's breathed into us and recognizing that we are here for a divine purpose, not here just to serve ourselves. So the purpose then, perhaps, in all of this is in God's creation is the purpose of friendship. The purpose of friendship. That we are in a relationship with God and the relationship with God is not one that is of judge, jury, and executioner. It is a relationship of friendship. A relationship when God desires a right relationship between us. Now, the perfect example of, of friendship, the perfect harmony, is in the Father, is in the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That the Father desires to glorify the Son. The Son is here to do the will of the Father. And the Spirit has come to reveal, to reveal God to us, to reveal the Father and the Son. And so there is this perfect harmony that exists in the Trinity. And God's plan in creation was to create a perfect world. And we called it Eden. Now, the perfection is seen in Eden uh, and in the creation in Genesis 3.8. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So we have the picture of what this friendship was about. This friendship was about walking with God. That God would come in the cool of the day and Adam and Eve would walk with God on a path in, the, in Eden. Now how big was Eden? I'm not, we don't know. But it was a perfect place, a perfect environment. There were no weeds. <laughs> there, were, there were no thorns. None of these things existed at that time. And there was this perfect place where, where that, that Eden was and God would come there in the cool of the day and walk with man. Now, God chose to make himself a gift to us. God created this place and made himself a gift to us. And we in turn were making ourselves a gift to him. The perfect friendship. The perfect friendship is that I give myself to you, that you know all about me and still like me, and, and you are my friend, and I know all about you and still like you. The perfect friendship. And so we find that God is a generous friend. He made the world and he stacked it. <laughs> he stocked it, excuse me, with all of, all of the resources needed for us to live an entire, <coughs> an entire lifetime and, you know, and humankind until he returns. God, you know, he called us to the beach and he said, this is my house and it's fully stocked and as long as you're here, you don't have to buy a thing. It's all in there. How many like to go on that vacation? <laughs> I'm going to bring the kids. <laughs> you know, there was, uh, I just thought I'd bring, it dropped into my mind. Uh, I, maybe I shouldn't talk about the things that drop into my mind. But anyhow, we were, we were at chaplain's convention and, and there was this, there was this um, chaplain who uh, is of a, a, a of, of a different origin, in which his family origin was that 
the, uh, the idea at the chaplain's conference was that you could bring your, your wife and your family. Well, he was, this individual was standing at the front desk with his wife and family, his parents, his aunts and his uncles, and all of their kids, <laughs> and they wanted a room because uh, they were all going to stay in one room. You know, and, and to them, of their origin, they probably were accustomed to that. And, and, they, and it was kind of funny because they're all standing there. There's like 30 people and they're all registering for one room. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was just kind of one of those things that the, the family, you know. So here in our life, you know, we're showing up and God is saying, bring your family, bring your relatives. The whole place is stocked and it, it's all in place. All you have to do is, you know, be, uh, be good stewards. Of, of what I place in your hands. You see, the vineyard, and, and you look at our life, and we see it in our world, and you know, we are to be good stewards of our world. And in Genesis, when it talks about that you are to, um, you are to go and multiply, you know, it's, it's many times we've, we've read that, and it's, you know, we thought of it, oh, God wants Adam and Eve to get together and go have a bunch of kids. Uh, that's where they go forth and multiply. The idea of going forth and multiplying was is that you are, you are to be a steward of your place that you have, that God has given you, and if you cut down a tree, plant it. That you are to be stewards of all that God has given you and that you are to multiply what has been placed in your life. And that goes, and if you take that example and bring it over to where we are at in our life, that we have stocked in the refrigerator stocked in who we are as a person, everything that we would need for our life. All the talents and abilities we need for who we are as a person, for why God created us, is all inside of us. Now, when we run into difficulties, we can try and do it on our own, or we can pray for God to help us in these difficulties, and God is there opening the refrigerator... <laughs> opening the storehouses, opening the abilities, and taking that which we have, placing his word and his life-giving spirit into us, and taking what is there and using it to meet those challenges. That's the friendship of God. It's not so much that we are challenging God, say, why God did you do this to me? But that while I am here and in these places of crises and in these places of difficulties, I am actually calling on God and he is going to reveal to me and bring to life and bring out of, of, of what we have inside of us to meet the challenge and to meet the difficulty. It's almost like a scientist. It's almost like Edison. How many times did he try to find a light bulb, discover and, you know, the right filaments for, an, for a light bulb? What was it 800, 1800 times, something like that? And he would say, well, I know 1800 ways it doesn't work. <laughs> Why? He wouldn't give up. And so, too, in our life, we don't give up on our faith. We don't give up on what God has done for us. So, um, Friendship states that if we, if we all had one, you know, the idea, um, if we all had one non-judgmental non friend, <clears throat> I remember reading this years ago, if we all had one non-judgmental friend, okay, there would be no need for psychiatrists, counselors, and mental therapists. Mental, you know. Why? Because we could share who we are and it wouldn't be a problem. 
we could share what we're thinking, what we're feeling, and the person wouldn't be passing judgment and saying, well, you know, you shouldn't be that way. <laughs> if, you were really, if you were really who you really think you are and should be, you, you know, just, you know, sometimes we just need to hear ourselves say something to see how good it is or how bad it is. And a, and a, and a friend is there to help us kind of evaluate, separate the wheat from the chaff. And that whole idea is that God, by his spirit and his word, is at work in our life in this friendship. So the friendship between God and Adam and Eve was a walk in the garden in the cool of the day. A walk with, with Adam and Eve in the, cool of day, in the cool of the day. And what was God doing? He was revealing himself. He was revealing the character. He was revealing the purpose for why Adam and Eve were, you know, why they were even there. God walks with us, and as we jump ahead and to our, on our day, we read and we pray, we read the scriptures, you know, we're singing the songs. Yeah, singing the songs. What is that, what are they about? They're about our relationship, friendship with God. <laughs> They're about our relationship, friendship with song. You know, if you, whenever, whenever you were, um, okay, Falling in love, in love, sing love song. You ever sing love song to your girlfriend, boyfriend? You know? Now we sing them to our kids, grandkids. What is it about? It's something that's conveying a feeling. It's conveying an emotion. It's conveying something that we are feeling to the person we love. You know? Well, what are we doing when we're singing our songs? We're singing about our worship, our friendship with God, Jesus Messiah. Messiah, you know, he's the anointed one, the one that was predicted from the, the beginning of time. So, you see, we have all these things that reveal to us what our needs are and speak to us about what our friendship is about. You know, this week, um, I visit, I visit a, a number of uh, care facilities, to, you know, for hospice patients. And um, uh, I walked in, and I never met this individual before that's on staff at this one one facility and as soon as she found out that I was a clergy she says oh you're gonna save us today and at first you know okay then once is all right and then uh, I, in the 45 minutes an hour that I was there I, I probably ran into this individual four times uh, and every time I ran into her she make this statement well what are you gonna do about saving me today <laughs> and what are you gonna do about saving my friends and what are you going to do about saving this? And, what are you gonna, you know, and I finally, you know, when I was about to leave, I said, okay, you know, I, need, I don't need to get hit over the head a thousand times. Maybe four is enough. So I walked over and I said, come sit down with me. <laughs> and she sat down with me and she said, I need to be saved. <laughs> I need to get my life back in order with God. You know, I've made some choices that haven't been right. I need God back in my life. Can you help me? <laughs> Friendship with God is something that we have to choose. See, God has done everything that he possibly can to make sure that this friendship exists. There is nothing that God hasn't done that, you know, that, are, that has uh, limits this friendship. He's done everything to open the door for us. God desires for us to be his friend. And what does God desire? Do you ever desire for your friends to fail? Then you're not much of a friend. 
If your desire is that they would fall down, I hope they, I hope they, I hope they run into that door. You know? No, our friends don't wish success, failure on us. Our friends wish success in our life. And God is about bringing that type of, of success and, and relational success into our lives. And a true friend is one who encourages us in, in, in our accomplishments. And in, 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 uh, in the scriptures, God is our friend that is encouraging us with his word, with the scriptures. And he is a friend that is there saying, well, you know, sometimes friends say, well, you know, it'll all work out. Our friend, G, and the friend, our, our friend Jesus tells us, all things work together for good to those who love God and, according, and are called according to his purpose. It's in the scriptures. You see, whenever we say it's all going to be okay, it's because we are trusting God and his word that he has spoken to us so that as we confront that difficulty, God is there to encourage us with his word. Whenever we feel lonely, God says what? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're not alone in this. What about, what about dying? Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. So there is not one situation in life that God is not saying to us what he is going to do and how he is going to help us as we run into those boundaries or run into those um, areas of, of our life that are uncomfortable for us, as we approach those, God is coming to us as our friend, giving us encouragement where we are at so that we can take our next step and take it and develop who this person is. Because God desires for us to accomplish the goal of our life, and the goal of our life is serving God. Serving Him. Now, we're not all, you're not all, we're all not all going to be preachers or missionaries or, or evangelists or, you know, but we, God is going to take the talents that we have and he's going to use them so that we can develop and become the best at, the best that we can be. <laughs> That's just not a military slogan, it is God's slogan. That we will become the best person that he created us to be. And that means we're going to deal with the difficulties in our life in a way that's going to be healing for us, strengthening for us, and bring us to a place where God is going to uh, be there to reward us. So, what makes this, you know, I, I don't want to sound uh, that there, there is no, you know, it's a pie in the sky and it's all wonderful and there is no hell and there is no, see, there's accountability. That's where, we, that's where we find ourselves having difficulties. <laughs> we don't like accountability. And in Eden, there was one restriction. And the Lord God commanded him, Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you will surely die. Now... Was this, was this tree poisonous? In some ways, yes. It was poisonous in that it was eaten because of doubt. Do we really believe that God is for us? <laughs> Accountability. You see, this tree spoke of divine ownership. Okay? God is saying, I own this place. I have one restriction. Don't eat of this tree. 
You can do everything else in the garden. You can, you can go and do and have everything else in the garden. But I want you to know that I created you and I own this place. And, and we would say, well, what good is that? My question is this. If we don't believe that there are restrictions, okay, there are restrictions, do we, would we believe the promises? Would we allow the restrictions? And this was the temptation that came to, to Adam and to Eve. Hath God really said? Would God really give you restrictions if this were a perfect place? And you notice that the restrictions that God gives are for our own relational experiences. Don't steal, don't kill, don't bear false witness, don't lie. What are those? Those are relational experiences that, you would, that we would have with people. And God's restrictions are about keeping right relationships with people and right relationships with God so that we would become this individual that God created us to be. That God created us so that we might live in this, as it were, in God's place that he has created for us. We are here for a divine purpose. And we are here to fulfill a divine mission, the will of God. The sin of mankind is that we would think that we are God. It's kind of the sin of mankind. If you eat this tree, eat of this tree, you will become like God. And so the challenge is, am I God of my life? Or is I, do I surrender to someone who is of a higher power? And, and I, I always remember Big Mike. <laughs> Big Mike was a hitman for the mafia. And he, went, he, was, he, he would be in church in our Bible school whenever we were in East Providence, Rhode Island. And Big Mike was a man you didn't want to mess with. <laughs> he, was, he was big. And he wasn't the most educated man, but you could tell he had been in a few skirmishes. <laughs> he was scarred up, his nose was broken, twisted, and all those things. But Big Mike found God. God found him. Whatever. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. And every once in a while, Big Mike would jump to his feet in a church service, scare you half to death, you know. And he would bellow out, you are bought with a price. And he would talk about how God bought him and purchased him from his sin. And as a hitman, he knew what it was to buy, what the value of a man's life was. And as a redeemed child of God, he knew the value of being purchased by God and forgiven of his sins. And, you know, he was Big Mike. I can still picture him jumping to his feet and just scaring you to death. First time that happened, it was like, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? Is he nuts? You know? 
and he would jump to his feet and say, you've been bought with a price. And he'd start down the aisle under, you know, under the anointing of the Spirit. And he would just be like, you, you, you know, I was like, it was his way of testimony, testifying to everybody in church that you, 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 you bought with a price and God has redeemed you and God has saved you from your sin. And, and be aware that you're, you know, people purchase people, you know, in, in his old former way of life. But accountability, God has given us life. And the accountability of our life is, is, is that we would take everything that we've been given, our Eden, our Eden. It's not perfect, far from perfect. But he would, we would take our Eden and be accountable to God not to eat of the forbidden fruit that is, is the basis of doubt. Has God said? Does God love me? Does God have a purpose for my life? Is there anything greater in life than who I am? Those doubts, and leave them to the tempter, and walk with God in the cool of the day, and say, I am loved by God, I am forgiven by God. I have a purpose in my life. And the obstacles that I face are opportunities to grow my life beyond my boundaries and experience the promises of God for my life. And no matter what the ups and the downs, in our Sunday school lesson this morning, uh, we talked about how that the... the um, the disciples had just come from feeding the 5,000, you know, five loaves, two fishes, fed 5,000 men plus women and children, came from that miraculous event to crossing the sea and a storm coming up. And they, you know, they didn't know if they were going to be able to live or die. So going from that one experience to the next and Jesus coming alongside them. And they said, if it's you, Jesus, Peter, saying, if it's you, Jesus, ask me to come to you. And Peter walked on the water for a period of time until he became distracted by the circumstances. So too, they moved from this mountaintop to difficulties and from difficulties to, to mountaintops. And that life has difficulties and life has obstacles and life has problems and life has questions. But I have a friend. His name is Jesus. I have a friend who desires to walk with me, to desires to reveal his word to my life, that I may find hope, I may find peace, I may find strength, I may find courage, I may find purpose, that I would find that I was created by this God who loves me and he wants to walk with me through every aspect of my life. That's friendship with Jesus. <laughs> Amen? Shall we stand?
you know, in the garden, they listen to the they listen to the doubts of a lying serpent. <laughs> they listened to the doubts of a lying serpent rather than the words of a loving God. These are the challenges that we find as we face our difficulties. Who are we going to, what voice are we going to listen to? We want to listen to the voice of the Spirit. And the Spirit is the same Spirit that breathed life into man and man became a living soul. The same Spirit is the Spirit of God that breathes life into us, gives us the assurance that we're not alone and nothing shall separate us from the love of God. It's that same Holy Spirit that breathes peace into our lives, gives us hope in difficult situations, that we have purpose, we were created. And as we worship and we, you know, to sing the songs and all that, it's that same Spirit that surrounds us, encompasses us, and gives us hope. That's our friendship.